0: And welcome back to the New Republic Growth Hacking Podcast. I am your host with the most, Nimi Sini, CEO of New Republic and co host of uh, this podcast, the Growth Hacking Podcast from New Republic. Today, I'm very excited. From all the way from Canada, direct via Zoom, we have Matt Wright, who works at a a very a well-known business called Wider Funnel. All right, nice to meet everyone. Uh, happy to be here. Took you all all part of what a minute to log on. One Literally le- left work immediately and just got here <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> I love it. Today's nice synopsis for everybody who's logged on to listen. Uh, today's synopsis is we're gonna we're gonna be talking about something from the future. I, I kind of told Matt that he's Michael J. Fox. From back to the future so hopefully you're going to hear some new new stuff that you haven't heard before matt is working on it uh across the us canada and all, all his regions it's a method known as mixed method you might have read uh, an article that i or i will post hopefully before this comes out all around the floor with AB testing and uh, matt is here as the messiah to tell us how there's a better way to do this so the synopsis today is around the flaw of the current way of experimentation and how Mixed Method could be the answer for the future brought to you by the Messiah, Matt Wright, from Wide to Fuddle.
1: High high praise. It's it's a huge intro. Uh, I I think I would say not necessarily a flaw in the current way of doing things, but I think the extension and
0: and really like the next step, that's that's how I'll position it. Matt, please uh, don't embarrass me in front of my people. huge, uh, Huge opportunity for everyone. Good one. So, listen. Before we get into, um, you know, your messianess, can you maybe do for everyone who's listening a bit of an intro into who you are, about wider funnel, in case some some people might not know who wider funnel is, and how you came into this world of experimentation.
1: Really, really fortunate that I work alongside a group of incredibly smart people at wider What wider is is a niche experimentation agency that helps brands make informed decisions using data. Uh, And what we do is we do this through helping companies run and scale experimentation programs. And, uh, we've been super, super fortunate. We just had our 14th birthday. We've now worked around some incredible brands that range from really digitally native corporate clients all the way up to really large scale businesses with the names of like Microsoft, Xbox, Dollar Shave Club, Whirlpool, and HP. Um, and so hugely, hugely love my job. Couldn't be happier. Um, Super, super fortunate to get me working this every day. Uh, I kind of have to pinch myself a little bit. Uh, in terms of me, I can probably uh, kind of share it. I am now in year five of the company. Feels like really definitely like year 10 uh, in terms of everything that's gone by. I originally joined Wider Funnel uh, to actually build out a new service offering with something called Motivation Lab, uh, which aimed to leverage applied behavioral science, understand why people behave the way they do, uh, how, pe- how groups of people think, and how they make decisions. Uh, which over time really evolved into what we're going to talk about today, in terms of using experimentation in connection with really a mixed method approach, and, and and kind of using lots of different types of data, and at the end of the day, just like using it to really make the best decisions
0: possible. That was the longest intro we've had in the history of this podcast. It was good. I, I, I liked it, and I don't want to critique it because, well, you don't have to perfect perfection, it, it, right? It was right it, there. It, 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 it's it's a subtle critique, I think, is how I would label that. <laughs> It's called The Neg. If you've ever read the book, The Art of the Pickup, it's called The Reverse Compliment, The Neg. If you don't learn CRO from this podcast, you'll learn how to pick <laughs> up. <laughs> so, so listen, we've talked about mixed method, right? And I've, I'm, I'm being dramatic when I say the flaw in A-B testing, right? Maybe, do you want to take a few seconds and just talk about like what actually is mixed method? Yeah, and I think I think we can probably get into this, probably lots of like follow-up we could do here, but but I think really if I was to describe it,
1: It's using multiple research methods and multiple types of data to help guide decision making. And if I just quickly try to draw like an imaginary quadrant in front of people for a second, often we think about times of data. You think of very much in this like quantitative big numbers versus qualitative data. And with that, you'll see like we'll use quantitative data uh, and that will give us big data sets with the great uh, thing that comes out of it about a high degree of confidence in terms of like things like what, like what is better versus when we compare different data sets, especially if we're getting into the realm of like AB testing versus if we're in the qualitative world, much smaller sets of data, but the depth of that data is quite a bit thicker. Like there's a lot more that we have there. There's a lot more we can glean from it. And so it typically can give us much more deeper insight into why, but with a lower level confidence because just such a smaller sample size. And so, when I kind of think about mixed methods, it's really like this way of thinking about, we have these two sets of data and we'll get into, there's gonna be another access here in a second, but how can we put them together in a way that allows us to both have the highest confidence degree in like the what's and the best understanding and like why,
0: particularly behind like when you think about behavior and why it occurs. Why come up with a new method? Why not just keep doing the same old? Like what is the, uh, what is the rationale behind this new way of working? Well, I think, um, I think for us,
1: like just naturally even kind of getting involved with, we've always had AB testing. I think it's like this incredibly powerful tool uh, that you can use to help understand actually how people behave. And in terms of like, if we're designing something, which design works better, but you're always like left in this position of like, you're not really sure um, potentially why that happened or you're what I sometimes describe as a little bit more of like the inferring the why, of why something happens. And so uh, what this does is said, okay, well, we can still leverage that, still use it together, but we can be a little bit more expansive on it and get deeper into like the why. And then beyond that, what are cases where like, maybe A-B testing is impossible. Maybe we lack really strong quantitative data, but we're still trying to guide decision-making to, to a certain degree. I don't know if you, I, I'm, cur- I'm curious, like we talked about this a bit, Nima,
0: like h- how do you flip it around? Like, how do you see it? To be honest with you, like I, I kind of saw mixed methods solving a really uh, uh um the problem around sentiment. Like when we do an A-B test, if you think about it, we're kind of designing the best possible experience in our mind. Like the the person designing the the test and the UI of that test, if you're just doing basic web stuff, is like kind of saying, like what I have is not the best it could be. And I want to prove that what I have is either the best or it's not the best. And I want to do another version, right? But that doesn't actually mean that it's the best possible experience. All it's saying is that it's a less shittier experience than what I have, right? It, it, the user has to decide if it's the best possible experience, right? So, for the, and the way we do that is we set up a primary metric, and if that event fires, we say, "Hey, that must have been a ex- better experience because that event fired more than control did." But that doesn't actually mean that it is the best experience. And so, you know, the way you, the way you and I have been talking about, it and you've explained to me. Is it re- what really resonated around is experience is a feeling, An a B test is the quantitative analysis of an action. Uh, an action and the feeling aren't directly correlated to each other. So really, mixed method is trying to uncover the feeling behind the action, the how someone feels that then defines the best possible experience. So that's how I kind of, in my mind, I I made sense of it. Does that does that work? Yeah. No, no, I think it works perfectly. And I I actually, when we talk about the quant versus the qual, is obviously
1: the other axis that we maybe add in if we fill out our quadrant, which is like behavioral data of what we actually observe versus like more attitudinal or sentiment data, which is like what people say. And I think we'll, we'll talk about this probably later, but there's like in attitudinal sentiment data, like, we can't always take people at face values, but they've got great clues in there of like, oh, we can uncover maybe things here that are like, what what's really driving that. And yep. I, I think if I was to build on it too, it's like, it's the ability to become a lot more strategic, right? Like we can also, like you're saying, it's like, it's not just about the test, that test round for a period of time, we got some good insight, but it's like, if we really get to the depth of insight that we can start compounding and then build into our strategy, um, we're in a much better position both to get everyone going in the same direction, uh, layer that into like repeated actions over time as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in Australia, it's not a very common practice and I've been talking to brands about what this is and potentially looking at and and everyone who hears it straight away goes, that makes so much sense. Let, let's talk about the practicalities. Like, you know, how does it actually work? Like, Beyond the words and these quadrants, which are by the way visually very beautiful, thank you. At what what does it actually mean? Are you like, are you doing focus groups? Like, what are you doing for mixed method? How does it work? And is can anyone just start doing it, or is it is there a process to it?
1: I think that's a great great question, and, and I also would say mixed methods by its very nature is that there's multiple types of methods, so I don't think there's any one clear. This is the way it has to be done, but but I think there's some like. It's, it's very mixed. I think there's some like really big tools that at least I lean on or or think about that I think are super, super valuable, which, um, you definitely, as you kind of mentioned off the top, like you want to be running experiments. So like just having a B testing as a core practice is really useful, uh, very much tied into like analytics there as well. But then you also want the ability to get out there and say like run user tests with people. You want to be able to have contextual interviews with people. You may want to have more longitudinal, like diary studies you do with people. Inside of that too could be like polling that you're doing on your site. So you're like adding that to it. We've done that a ton where we're running A-B <laughs> test. And at the same time, there's like polling and you're you're grabbing both of those data sets together to try to analyze and interpret things later. And then- So and in even the polling, still like the are the they in the
0: test? So hold yeah, on, with they, the polling. So they're in the test and then they get a poll. Yeah, they're, they're definitely part of
1: it. So it's essentially like we yeah. manipulate the experience then we follow it up and then you're then kind of piecing those together. And with technology today, like that that can be- you can use a lot of like off-the-shelf tools and just just kind of do that um, in, a, in a testing tool in terms of like you're, you're firing this survey as well, collect the data, and then you're able to parse it out and see which variant the responses came back in.
0: Yeah, right. And, and so, I mean, when you talk about this, isn't this just traditional UX studies brought into A-B testing? I think there's like a big connection
1: between them for sure. Where I think there's like a difference is typically when I see it, and especially it's funny that you say like uh, it makes a lot of sense with your clients because I think the same narrative plays out in a lot of conversations that I have, even in really advanced uh, organizations is these are often siloed groups. Like I think that's one of the biggest things is they're just not talking to each other. Like a part of this is just putting this data together and thinking about it. And then I think being also a little bit creative about how you're using this approach. Like you are mixing these methods. There's a creative element to it. Um, and I think there's there's kind of these, what do we start with? What order do we do it in? There's kind of these natural sequences that you can start developing. And I think as you start playing with it, uh, it just becomes stronger
0: and stronger uh, as you go. Yeah, got it. And so, I mean, in a way, it really does bridge the gap between what I see in a lot of co- companies, although I don't 100% agree with it, is you have a CRO team that runs tests, And then you have this UX team that's designing new products, new experiences. This is totally, kind of, yeah. I mean, is this like a bridging or is this like an evolution of what this these kind of experimentation teams look like? I,
1: I think it's a bridging of a practice that both those groups can use. I, I think that comes natural. I, I also think I divide it sometimes across, like you've got like more of the marketing team, which is maybe a little bit more upper funnel. Um, and then you've got like product teams. And so I think there's, like even when you're running tests, right? There's different themes or objectives from like just we're optimizing things versus like you said, new feature development, we want to validate it. Uh, and that's got a different purpose, different type of measurement. And so I think it's a yeah. practice both can use in some companies. And what you're describing it's just one team is doing CRO and you've got another team developing yeah. products. Like this should definitely naturally just bring those groups closer together. And like, that's really, really key. Both of those have great insights and they should be tapping into each other.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, a lot of time. I find that they're quite separate teams. They're... Totally. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like I find the UX teams are like become the old school the brand guys where they're like, we've already done qualitative studies. We know what users want, so we don't need to A-B test that. So we're just going to use what we have. I find like everyone's replacing themselves.
1: And then like, yeah, I I chuckle to myself because when you run those tests, it's often, I think the way to get around that is it's just a test. Let's just try and do it. And then you run it and it never really has the same outcome that you
0: expected. There's always nuance to it. There's always edge cases. Uh, That's what makes that so valuable. Got it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So tell me, like, who's who's doing this? Like, is there credibility? Is this just a new way to get more money, or is this something credible that a lot of bigger brands are doing that you know are us in Australia so far away and so behind the times? Is this something we should be adopting? Like, what's the credibility behind this?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, like credible things that. I could pull from that are a big, big, known brands, but I think I want to put the asterisk out here that these are big companies. It doesn't mean these are the only ones that, 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 are, that exhaust the list, but you, you can see things like Spotify have some incredible content that you can read through around like mixed methods. I think they do a great job. Uh, if you go on Netflix, they have their uh, tech, tech blog, got some incredible stuff. Google's got yeah. tons of like resources around this, but this generally is in smaller companies now. And I think it really ranges. There, there's kind of two sets I see is like, uh, and this is why I think in Australia it could be very interesting is companies that are constrained by velocity of A/B testing, like they just do not have the traffic to run enough. And so this is a way to both maximize the value of those tests, also generate insights at times when you can't run tests or pre-running a test, uh, and, and then vice versa. Like honestly, I just got out of a conversation like two days ago, I would say, where it was like. Company running 300 tests. And the next stage for them really is they're like, we got to connect quant and qual, 300 tests a year, I should say. Should clarify that. Yeah. But quant and qual together. Um, what they're looking at now is like, how do we take bigger risks with our tests? It's not testing more anymore. It's like the quality of the testing's
0: got to go up. They've, they've crossed like a new threshold. It's a different, different position. So, so quality follows velocity. So you first get a lot of tests and then you're like, hey, let's stop wasting time and do better tests. I think it can in some cases. I think there's lots of different, I, I, every
1: company is a little bit different in terms of how you should be applying testing. But I, I think at the beginnings, I think like a, if you can run tests and you're not hitting velocity, I think as a starting point, like you should get your velocity numbers up. You're going to be, uh, uh, if you're doing testing well and you have like strong kind of data and data connectivity, you're going to learn some really valuable things.
0: I kind of think velocity is a miss. I mean, it's a separate subject, but I think velocity is a misnomer, right? I, I reckon- why, why, why do you think that then? Well, because velocity is good for building habit. And the most important thing about building culture of experimentation is the habit of experimentation, right? And velocity forces a habit. So the more you do something, the more of a habit it becomes, right? But if you ask me, velocity is a waste of time. And the only people who can truly get velocity, true velocity, companies like eBay, booking.com, you don't get that in Australia. One company like Telstra that might have enough traffic for that kind of velocity, it's virtually impossible to get it to happen. And so if you ask me velocity is a good way to building habit it's a bad way of testing because you're basically trying to you're trying to focus on the number of tests rather than finding what an ab test is for is best possible experience or insights that drives better decision making if those tests are going to float in the air and never get the stat sig or you're so busy on getting tests out that you're not analyzing the the test results correctly what's the what's the point of testing well, I, I I would agree with that though. I think that's still like super spot on. And it, it comes down to
1: the nuance of like, what's the business? what What's the opportunity? I think there is a thing of when you start, you should do some velocity just to build your muscle. Like you've you just got to figure out how to do it, get the instrumentation in place. Yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And I feel like that exact thing you're describing though, is like mixed methods will make your test better or the insights you're getting out of your tests. It can be I'm going to use this to generate a test hypothesis with like the highest quality that we're going to go and run. Or I ran a test, something interesting happened. Let's dive into that. Like, why did it happen? Why can't we evaluate that a little bit more? Why can't we learn more about it? I got a
0: client who loves, he has this thing around like, if a test wins, I don't want to analyze it. If it loses, I want to analyze it. So to that point, is mixed method good for when something loses or when something wins? It's it's both. It's usually
1: both. I, I think this is like, I, I think I used to, I don't know, maybe this is naive, but I always always just say like, like really, like the test only loses when it's like, you can't draw insight from it. Right. Like if the data is a wash, you didn't do a big enough change. Maybe there's problem with instrumentation. So like, I, I think it's like, it's both of those things, because if you understand why you lost, I mean, you can iterate on it. Like you, you've uncovered elasticity. Like that's a cool thing as well, if you have it there. So you've seen that the change can happen. That's super valuable. Let's dive in there more. And if it won, Let's try to figure out more of that, and like, how can we pour more in? Is there other ways we can do it? Can we like incrementally improve on it? Even can we take it outside of like the A/B testing thing and just put it in the marketing strategy or put it in the product strategy? Like, you think about, uh, you think about Amazon. Their big thing they discovered how important shipping was, and the whole thing was to build things to make shipping less
0: of an inhibitor. Yeah, interesting. That's really interesting. So, I mean, in talking about it, you know, you said Spotify, Google. So you got these big brands doing mixed method, right? And maybe for a number of reasons, but at the end of the day, it's to better understand what, what users want, right? So I, I, I get that as a picture, right? So then are you? do you think this is a, an evolution of what we're doing in A-B testing or is it a bit of a revolution because it, it really does feel like you're connecting two different departments. You're setting up a a new process, like you're literally having to, you know, I, I, as we've been talking to, cl- to clients, it's really around like there's a new group, there's a new pace, there's a new way of actually researching and then, you know, designing something, researching it, then putting it into an AB test to quantify if the qualitative outcome, you know, like, is this a bit of a revolution? Are we restructuring our experimentation programs? So I'm. Uh, this this will be interesting, I think, because I'm. I'll turn this around. I want to ask you this question after, because I feel like we're
1: going to actually have different perspectives here. And mine will be that I actually view it as an evolution, not a revolution. Uh, just a little bit of doing this for a little bit now and knowing about how to structure it, how to bring it into an organization. I think that's just a natural step. And usually, it is like a building block of what exists before. Um, to be honest, so it's like. There typically already is a strong experimentation team. Maybe we're adding this capacity to, or it could be there's a strong UX team. that's doing a lot of qualitative research and we're adding this like muscle to it. We're connecting the groups. But it's going to slow down your testing. Well, I don't think so. I think this is like, this is like the great thing. Like you think about the job to be done of, of why you work with someone like us is it's, it's not about slowing down. It's like, how do you add this and build up this competency? There shouldn't be like a trade off between the two. I think that's like more of a resourcing problem and and the great thing is is these can often be run in parallel or like without the constraint of the other like that's i think what becomes like really really powerful about it
0: yeah 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 no i, I agree with you i i think it's a i i definitely think it's an evolution but i do feel that you know uh, i don't know about the u.s but i know in australia there's companies experimenting there's no doubt that they're experimenting but there's still rudimentary stuff that they're getting wrong like the concept of a false positive and false negative is still, I still see that people don't understand that, right? And so when you bring in a new party into this, there's still that divide between UX and CRO. And there's more companies starting to create squads where the you know experimentation is part of the squad. It's, a, it's not a person, it's a, a way of working. So there are entities doing that. But I do think that there is a bit of a, there's a bit of a step from what they're doing to integrate this into it and then to maintain, because there's a maintenance of what I'm doing and then there's a tweak on what I'm doing. And I think when you tweak it, there's a bit of a fallback before you go forward. So I definitely think there's an evolution, but I think there's a, there's a cost benefit analysis of what do I really feel like this is going to give me that, that I should really focus on. It. That's fascinating too.
1: I think uh, like building on that, the one thing I would say is like I think that like expertise gap is like, like, like tied to this, like, like, like quite a bit, and I, I think when I think about this too, this is a little bit of like a T shaped skill, right? Like, you've got to, when you move towards this, there's a generalist generalist knowledge
0: you have to have with it. We gotta find the letter. I'm sorry to cut you off, but everything is T t shaped squads. T, like, t. we gotta find, like, what happened to a good old N. What about an O?
1: T- 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 shape T shape, like expertise is classic though. I feel like you can't mess with it. It's got the generalist level and it's got the expertise level. It's got like your jacks.
0: Like I. Uh, what about
1: an I? What about an I? It's a it's a good letter. It's like a T with an extra line.
0: What's gonna go on the bottom though? It's just like your your personality. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, sorry, I kind of cut you off before. So look, I get I guess what I'm saying is it's an evolution of what we're doing, but there is a bit of a sacrifice in the fact that you got to slow down to speed up. Like you can't tell me you've walked in and they just, I I mean, Uh are you saying that you've walked in, they're running an experimentation program and you're like, Hey, let us bring mixed method in, let us get you started. And then whilst you maintain your pace, we kind of get this humming and then we slowly merge it into your business. And then you keep running with it. Is that, is that how you guys have been working? Yeah. I think it's very much, I think the, the, best format that we've found is like this applied
1: approach to doing it together, right? Like we're building the muscle together. And and I think, I think you're totally right. That it's like, there there is a degree of like uncomfort, like discomfort, (laughs) I should say not uncomfort, but there's this, there's this degree to this of people where they're like, okay, this is new. It's challenging. Maybe the sequences of the processes that they have going on will be a little disrupted. And so I think you got to work through that. But I think also the value is, especially if you're adding, qualitative work to quantitative work, people just love it. Like, I think when you put people in front of the customers, get more insight, get more depth, like people want to naturally be part of that process. And so even if it is a little bit discomforting, it's a little bit new, I think you can really have that thing that like pulls people in and then it becomes about like, what's the right cadence to be looking at it and then tying it really back to like, what value are we creating from it? I think that's like your big thing that you were talking about just a second ago. Is like, it's got to be tied to value creation to get that buy-in.
0: So so let's talk about value creation. You said you've run this for a company's what's the value? Is it does it make their A B testing even better? Is their results astounding? Like if you had to put your money on one of these horses to win, is it an A B test or is it an A B so is it an A B program or is it an A B program with mixed method? Like which horse are you going to put your money on? Well,
1: I, I think generally. I would put my money on the ladder, but I would acknowledge there are certain types of companies where just like high velocity A-B testing, like probably the best thing that's where I'd put all my chips. But for the majority of people and like, yeah, eBay, booking.com, even booking.com is a great mixed benefit program though. Like I I think you just, just got to throw that out there. They, They do some really cool stuff. Definitely. I think for most people, uh, unless you're super high velocity, it's the combination of running experiments in conjunction with mixed methods. And yeah. kind of what's really powerful about this still is, is you kind of get two benefits is you're still using experimentation to measure impact. And so as long as you have iterative cycles, where even if say something uh, you run an experiment, the metrics go down, but you're able to understand the why and then follow that up with another test. Like that's happened lots of times. I can think of really great examples even this year in like COVID where behaviors change. Why is that happening? We investigate a little bit more. And then the follow-up test is a big winner. But in addition to that, you also get the benefit of like the times where you can't necessarily run A-B test, and you're still able to get insight, drive decision-making. Particularly, I think like the big one here is like a lot of like rebrand work, uh, do a lot of this. when someone's like developing like an app, let's say next to their website. They still want some insight there. There's like some new functionality, like some really core things. And you're just doing them naturally together that like the the, the ROI is there, but then there's all the additional insight that goes way beyond that. But, I think there's you seen
0: it. I'm gonna put you on the line. Have you actually increased conversion rates by doing mixed method yes. up front, updating the experience, and then sending it live and that Have you seen a dramatic like have you actually tested this theory of like mixed method lives better results? Like I would say and it's two two key. Use cases. One is like what you're describing, where we do some
1: work first. It's more generative in nature, yep. and then we're creating yep. hypotheses that are really strong. Um, and in some cases, very much tied to big strategic initiatives. So there's like a double impact there. And you run it, you're seeing really, really strong test results. And it obviously can change a lot. There's some super high traffic websites, like three, four percent, amazing like lift that you're getting. Other ones, drastic. And you got to do like good data work to make sure that truly yeah. is like not a false positive. And then on the flip side of it, I think even more where I've seen this, like the biggest is when it, it tanked or it didn't go the way it was supposed to. You went and figure it out and then you went and fixed it. And it wasn't like you just gave up. Like, I think that's like a huge thing. And then you measure the difference. That's where I get excited. I'm excited now about it.
0: We had a client. I could, I could hear it in your voice. Just calm down, calm down. I know um, <laughs> we had a client and without knowing the experiment, we were doing mixed method. We had a client, we failed on a test. We went back into user research to find out why. And, It was for a search function because the search function was like an icon, right? And it was hidden. So we said, hey, what if we expose search? Because, you know, search on every website is a critical function. Anyway, um, this is a very large uh, travel company. Anyway, when we we exposed search, it failed. And we're like, how can that fail? Like, that's just like a no-brainer because search is a much more valuable customer. All the data told us search is a really critical function, but it's hidden because only a percentage of users were using it. Anyway, we then found like through the research, they said like, well, when I first come onto this website, I don't know where I'm going. And search is only good if you know what you want, what you're looking for. And I don't. So browsing is really, we're like, holy shit, let's do this only for returning users. So if you've been to the site, you've touched a certain section, you've left, let's make it easy for you to get back to that page. And you're right. The results like was like a hundred and something percent lift in search usage, only when you target it to a return user. was really really interesting that insight i I totally agree with you i think there's value inside that why did it lose and uncovering that why rather than guessing and hypothesizing okay so mixed method is the new way to do stuff everybody stop what you're doing and burn your ships we're going to start again right definitely yeah just just can't kind of burn the ships half burn the ships and then take half the ship so let's okay let's say you want to you want to start doing this like you've heard this podcast you're absolutely inspired and short of calling new republic or matt and say hey help us do this how how would people start doing this tomorrow like how are they is it like you say hey go and talk to the ux research guys and work out how they can support you like how would you start
1: Yeah, I I think it really depends on like what your starting point is. So if you have a UX research team, I think it's really how do you start connecting these things together. And I think you need someone to lead that. Think about how are you going to put like, we're going to run an A-B test followed by this study, or we're going to do a study and then it's going to run into a test. Uh, I think those are really, really super critical things. If you don't have that, I think it can be very simple. It's just like, can we go out and get some representative Uh, users can we do things like very simple user tests maybe some contextual interviews but but use the actual experiences as prompts like like put people in them walk them through it Uh, we could have a whole other podcast where i probably talk about the nuances here about like how to how to properly do a like an interview but like like, and also just like you got to really start paying attention without biasing them too much with the design on like how are they going through it like what barriers do they come across what's standing out for them what are the little side comments, and and then I think it's from there taking it back and trying to refine it into really solid hypothesis that, that you can test. So, got I it. always try to connect these two, and there's got to be a bit of rigor. So, so if,
0: if you if you have a UX team, go and talk to that UX team, get them involved in the process, right, around the research methodology to use and actually run the research, pre or post doesn't really matter, but get them involved, right. Is there a way of figuring out what is an A-B test and what is something that – is everything going into mixed method or is it that you pick certain things to go to mixed method? And by the way, that's a loaded question. I already have the answer to this, but I want to hear your opinion on it.
1: I I definitely just – it's a wide-ranging.
0: So I think there's even new methods that could be
1: uncovered. I think like quasi-experimentation fits in here where we've played even with things of like – Instead of randomizing it, we're controlling which groups are going to see which things and comparing. Uh,
0: oh my god! That. Don't don't yeah. start going into these. Into I know. These
1: I got. I I love just throwing one word out there to tease you. I'm just. i just. I just. I just ruined your day because you're going to spend the rest. You're of your like. Day you're like Batman.
0: Out. You're like a Batman episode. Tune in. Same bat time. Same bat channel. What will happen next? You're like a. You're like a um, uh, a Lord of the Rings trilogy. So like, like okay. Go back to the question. Like is every test next method now? Or is it no pick and choose what goes into a mixed method? I, I think you pick and
1: choose. I think there's like the right approach for right things. There's the certain, how important is this? What level of confidence do we need to have? What kind of time? Like I think time and resource is always going to be a key question. Like there's constraints here and you, you've got to work through them yourself. So I, I definitely should say everything is, if I was to start like going back to that question, I would try to pick either things that were, unexpected, like say a test result happened and we're not really sure why it's a great candidate to try to learn more about or something that's like important. Like, is there a strategic thing that you can really start like digging into and be really informed about that? Like people naturally are going to come to and like want to be a part of it can be a little bit of a flagship, uh, kind of
0: project or, or test that you can run and,
1: and get people involved in.
0: I know I told you, I was loaded. I've already got kind of got my own opinion on it. I, I saw anywhere where like, for example, there are things that are functions and a function is a, a tool. Like, you know, when I'm cooking, I need a spatula. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not too affaite on how amazing the spatula is. I just need a spatula, right? So like if you think about an e-commerce website, a button is a button, size features are size features, right? You can A, B test these things. But whether I use imagery of a real-life model versus an aspiration, you know, Nike always uses aspirational imagery versus like, Real people doing real exercise. All their imagery is like so. I kind of felt like areas where you're really you're really tapping into that emotion behind what you're presenting. They're the stuff to take into a mixed method approach because they're the stuff you want to slow down to speed up. Whereas areas where you're really testing functions or elements that are tools or assets, they're the stuff that you can A/B test. And I and I thought as a really loose guide, it's a really simple way to divide what you put into. Things that are sentiment driven, that are emotionally driven, versus things that are functional that just need to work. Is that a is that a good top level loose structure to follow? I, I, I think it. I think it definitely is. The uh, strong. It, it reminds me a lot too of like the
1: idea of like ability versus like motivation. Like if you think of a classic yeah. like BJ Fog. Like I think that that really taps into it. Kind of like interesting like antidote as you, you're speaking about that. Like like we we did a piece of work actually during COVID where someone was changing everything from product images to lifestyle images and it didn't work like and then it was like okay well all lifestyle images were bad was going to be the decision from that and if it hadn't been for mixed methods it was like the types of images you were using were the problem not necessarily that like they were actually bad so when you refine that and rerun that and kind of different things happen and 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 i think nike is a great
0: example of that too yeah so using that's really good so tell me something this i mean we're running out of time so i'll wrap it up after this one i'm sorry to do that but you know, the thing that I started feeling is like by doing this kind of thing, you're actually bringing brand to the table. You know, yeah. brand like brand never is a part of. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, and everyone likes to think it is, but brands never a part of the UX discussion, and brands never a part. Of, I mean, it is from a aesthetic design perspective, but it's not really from a actual. What is the? How do we deliver this experience? Everyone talks about, it, no one really practically does it. And also, when it comes to experimentation, brands never involved. brand's kind of the final guardian sign-off that yeah that's that's fine but like this this brings brand to the table because you're really talking about you can now start testing tonality you can start testing uh visual experiences like imagery selection and on those things so it really does create another avenue for brand marketers to come into testing do you agree with that i mean is that the experience you're
1: seeing yeah, I think this isn't the first, like, like I've, already, I've actually, you've taught me a ton in this too. So I always think this is super fascinating when we talk about brand and kind of how it can be used from this. But I, I definitely feel it, it's this great connector, right? You think about, you've got brand, you've got design, you've got product. It's kind of really bringing all those things together. And, and I think that's why it's the natural extension of A-B testing. You, you just get into a place where it's more strategic. And, and I think you start connecting these dots and, uh, brings more data and perspective even to these other teams that are traditionally maybe a little less data driven
0: yeah yeah I agree listen man we're running out of time I'm sorry to do this but I big thank you for taking the time to join us from all the way in Canada land in the Maple Leaf Yeah,
1: no, no worries I, I, uh, I, I really appreciate being there and uh, getting the chance so uh, we we'll definitely do, do it for you anytime
0: really loved it now before you leave what was that word you said you said quasi-testing Quasi experimentation. Yeah, I'll throw that one out there. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pick up that one later, and we can talk about quasi experiment. If you, if you don't know, uh, Matt, join, go and uh, connect to him on LinkedIn. The guy is probably one of the sharpest brains in the category. He's always evolving uh, my thinking, and also I know a lot of other people's thinking. Uh, he's, he's sensational in the space, and the way this guy works is incredible. And very kind, always uh, willing to help and share ideas and, and grow from others as well. So, Matt, thank you so much for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Very, really, very really kind to say. And you're listening to the Growth Hacking Podcast with your host, Nemo Yossini, uh, from New Republic. Tune in next time. If you have any comments or have any suggestions for future podcasts, please email us at hello at newrepublic.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.